Hi guys, it's your host, Jamel and Tristan, with the Meet Me at the Bar podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Meet Me at the Bar podcast. This is Jamel and I'm with Tristan. Hello. This is episode number five and today we're going to be speaking about should you be squatting? Then we have a few questions from clients on Instagram. And then I think Tristan wants to speak about sweet potatoes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got quite a bit to uh, cover today. Cool. So um, kicking off with um, squatting um, and really answering the question, like, should you be squatting? So we hear um, this all the time. Yeah, I hear this all the time and it's it's like a really popular exercise, especially like the, the typical sort of back squat that we've got a bar on your back. Um, quite visually impressive to see someone squatting and I guess that drives people to want to do that movement, right? Yeah, it really does. I mean, it's it's one of the most impressive lifts if yeah. done well at a heavy weight, I guess. So I guess everyone sort of feels like, oh yeah, I need to back squat or, or I want to back squat sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but what we've found is and what, from what we've learned is that it's not it's for a lot of people squatting might not be an appropriate exercise and it's certainly not something they need to do to reach their goal um, and that's where we was going to start really in terms of like what is the goal like well, why are you squatting in the first place yeah so I think with everything in fitness it should always go back to what are you trying to achieve and whatever you're trying to achieve surely you just want to get there the the most efficient and the easiest way so, for example, if you are just trying to add size to your quad for aesthetic reasons, do you need to back squat or front squat? The answer is no. You can probably do the same with a leg press and a few leg extensions sort of thing. If you want to be or train to be and compete in powerlifting, then you probably need to do some form of back squat. Well, in fact, you do, obviously. Yeah. Um, and it and yeah, and things like, like you just said with like the, the aesthetic reasons and you know, with it with strength, squats quite a good exercise to do for for strength reasons, and um, for the for the like you say for the powerlifting side of things. But it does because it works because it's a big compound exercise. It does have quite a big impact on sort of building overall strength. And you know, it might be a good is a good exercise to probably get into your workouts for kind of increasing the density of your workout as well. So from like a an overall sort of calorie sort of burning point of view which really you don't you don't want to kind of stay clear of but for for trying to make your session as efficient as possible getting some big compound exercises like a squat like a deadlift and cramming them all together and having short rest periods means you can get a lot of work done in a, a short space of time yeah definitely if like if you have say two to three times a week where you can only dedicate an hour to the gym and you're going in there and doing calf Arms. raises and <laughs> biceps, biceps yeah. you, you're probably not going to get a lot of bang for your buck yeah. but if you have an hour and you can go in there and do squats deadlifts pull-ups strict press you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck sort of thing yeah definitely so they're, they're probably like some of the th thinking about kind of the goal and you know whether whether a squat is, is appropriate for your goal and it may well be um, and you may just want to do it because you 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 know you <clears throat> you want to feel good and you want to learn that movement that you see so many people doing um 
But there is, if we moving on to things like the ureter anatomy, so it's for some people squatting probably just isn't a great one. Like for me personally, I'm I'm terrible at squatting. A long boy, a long boy. Um, <laughs> my levers, my long legs are not don't work in my favour for for the squat. Um, whereas Jamel. You've got a good. You've got. <laughs> you're like you're calling me out here, mate. Whereas you, you've, you're, you know, you're you're good at squats and you enjoy the exercise. Yeah. So naturally, I squat very narrow. That has a lot to do with my hip mobility and yeah. the length of my femurs. Mm. Um, so naturally, it's one of my favourite lifts. Yeah. I have quite a strong trunk as well. So when I hold. Well, I like to think I do. So when I hold the back on my back in the back squat, it's, it's quite a comfortable position for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get way below parallel and it feels comfortable and stuff. But just on, on that point, in terms of squatting, like people think of back squat as like the only squat. And then if you have a bit more knowledge, you'll probably think of the front squat. But then what people don't realize is there's like six, seven, eight, nine, ten other squats yeah. that you can build into your program at some point and it will be beneficial to you even if it's from an overall health and mobility point of view if you're sat in the bottom of any squat with load you know it's going to open up your hips it's going to open up your lower back yeah. and, and if it's done well under load it's also going to strengthen your core and, and your obliques improve your overall sort of like posture flexibility exactly so, yeah. so even if it's not one of your main lifts like a staple lift for example a goblet squat um under load could be added into the program and, and you know you'll you'll have so many other benefits over it and obviously that's like a really low risk exercise yeah and this is the thing where it, come, it comes back to that goal it's like picking an appropriate squat for, for your goal so like if it is powerlifting then what, what's the rule that you have to get to parallel and no lower yeah you have to get to parallel so so straight away if that's your only goal like you don't really need to worry about going to like super depths do you you need to be able to get to parallel and you need to be able to do it well enough and, and build strength with that movement. It, it's, if you're looking at it from a powerlifting point of view, as long as you get to that parallel position, it is then at what position can you then stop the squat and then come out of the hole the most effective? Mm. For me, if I stopped at parallel, that, that would feel really uncomfortable. And then I'd feel like the weight was trying to like press me down more. And then for me to then drive that up, like move that force, it, it would feel really heavy for me. So for someone like myself who goes below parallel, but then I control it out of the hole, um, it's much more natural for me to um, to go a bit lower. But obviously, depending if you do high bar or low bar, can then that will then obviously have an, an effect on sort of the position that your body goes to at the bottom of the squat as well because I only ever do high bar because I just don't get on with low bar yeah, mainly yeah. because of my shoulder problems yeah and it's it's like it, it and then and if your goal isn't powerlifting then and your goal is to kind of build muscle then finding a squat that allows you to go to like a full range of motion is, is going to be better because you're working more you put more muscle in, under under stress and it was also important that it that by going low that you're in a, a decent position so your back hasn't gone into that sort of rounded position so something called butt wink can happen so we use like a buzzword a lot like like stay in an active position mm. if you get to the bottom of any squat and you've sort of gone uh well, what's the best word for it say soft like you've lost all the tension mm. in the bottom of the movement then the chances are if you've got a decent load on there one you're not going to be able to get up and two you'll probably if you can get back up you'll probably be using other muscles probably like overly 
loading the hips and that's when you see like people's hips come from underneath their feet then you end up using your back to sort of like get the weight up and ov obviously that's no good it kind of then makes the exercise redundant from what we're trying to achieve yeah and, and that's the thing where like some people and it's easy mistake to make and it's quite common to see like where <clears throat> people will be getting into the bar and doing a back squat but they but due to various reasons, whether it's their mobility, flexibility, their strength, their core strength, they're only able to do, say, they can't even get to parallel. So to that particular movement, for the amount of time they're spending on it is pretty pretty ineffective versus, say, a goblet squat where you've got like a kettlebell or a dumbbell and you're able to control that, the, mo the whole range of the squat from the very top to the bottom and you're able to go a lot lower. So it's going to be a lot more effective and especially for especially for most people in it, for gym pop, for increasing a bit of muscle size and building up your mobility and flexibility, isn't it? Yeah. And I think for like, that's not for us to say like for people that are just doing it for aesthetic reasons and almost like enjoyment, like not to back squat, mm. but just make sure that you do all the prerequisites mm. to build up to that back squat. Yeah. Make sure that you've almost earned the right to mm. then move on to that gold standard exercise as such. Yeah. Like, so if, if at the start of, of your journey, the the best that you can do is a bodyweight squat, okay? Practice your bodyweight squats at the start of your session and then load up your quads with some weight through a leg press. Mm. And then when you feel more confident in your bodyweight squat, then start adding some load to that via a goblet squat. And, and you know, there, there's, there's all these steps that you can take so that when you get to your front squats when you can get to your back squats you've done all the prerequisites so that when you actually get to the next step you're, you're comfortable in what you're doing that's it yeah moving along the so is it a continuum isn't it it's yeah, like definitely. uh and the back squat is actually pretty much literally like at the end of the continuum yeah, yeah, definitely. pretty much like and other than like something like a zercher squat which is like like a zombie what do they call it like Z a zercher squat they call it because that's a zombie thing isn't it where you've kind of got your arms in front no no no, no. so they're two different ones so, so zerch is, so is where you have basically your arms bent and it sits in the crease of your elbows yeah it's yeah. quite uncomfortable yeah 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 um, that's, it's a lovely variation but I, I don't think yeah. a lot of people need to worry about yeah it's right at the end of that continuum and as I say the back squat like a lot of people start with a back squat but actually like it's literally at the end of about a continuum of a of at least kind of 10 to 20 so, exercises right like so i did a i did a video on my uh instagram actually about like a squat continuum and about how like people should get used to like loading the squat and the, and the steps that they could take so if i was coaching a client put me on the spot here myself on the spot <laughs> i'd probably like check that you can do a body weight squat and then i would go into a goblet squat and then I would al almost go into then an offset squat. So where I would have um, a kettlebell in a front rack position, but only on one side. Yeah. And then squat down, um, do half the reps on one side and do half the reps on the other side. That basically makes makes us sure that we're in control of our midsection. Um, and, and we put ourselves into really nice shapes and positions. After that, I would then do a dual kettlebell loaded squat um, and then definitely a front squat. And then finally back squat yeah um and then depending on on the person um they may even throw an overhead squat before a back squat as well because um if someone can front squat well they can probably back squat well but if it doesn't transition the other way because of the position that the front squat puts you in in the front rack yeah having to keep the chest nice and tall um it just may 
um, make sure that we don't have a forward lean at the hips. Whereas when you see people back squat straight away, it almost looks like a good morning. Um, so that's a really nice fix that if you look like you're almost going into a good morning and it's more of a hip hinge in your back squat, yeah. lay off the back squats, either regress all the way down to a goblet squat or at least to a front squat and really focus on keeping your chest nice and tall and big and then sitting down into that deep position because then that when you then put the weight onto your back that should transition over quite nicely yeah so it's like building your strength up and, and building your your sort of movement it's building the movement pattern yeah, it's getting, getting pattern, familiar yeah. with it yeah um you wouldn't you wouldn't go straight to um <coughs> level 10 on candy crush would you you'd start That's at level it, yeah. one so where people do and do jump into it like i've i've i can remember doing it myself because you because you see because it is that as you say like a gold standard exercise you see and everyone's everyone else doing it so you just jump straight in straight it and, in, yeah. but really like you you, def, you you really don't need to um and it could be detrimental because if you're if you cause weak then you you're gonna get injured like i when I messed my back up like a few years ago, like it wasn't primarily down to that, but after already injuring my back and then going into like doing squats and deadlifts. And at the time I was like really, really new to lifting. I was probably doing it with terrible, <laughs> terrible form. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty confident that that impacted like what I ended up doing to my back. Yeah. Um, if, if you think about <clears throat> it, it's like, so we're talking about this gold standard exercise that people see every Instagram influencer doing it. And, and you know, like I put loads of back squats on my Instagram, which, which, which probably isn't the best practice for me. But if you go into this gold standard exercise and then you try to put load through that gold standard exercise, people don't realize that if you don't know how to bail from a back squat and you don't properly set up in a rack, um, all the safety like precautions, that bar is then on your back. Okay, mm. and, and, and that is where you see most injuries. It's one, that people don't know how to bail. Two, people don't know how to squat. Or three, people actually don't set up like the safety bars and the racks, etc. Yeah. So take a couple kilos off, get your form right, or or scale it back and, and regress and almost do a different lift first. Got to lose the ego. You, you have got that's, to lose the ego, Unfortunately, mate. that's what everyone's... That's what most people's problem is, it's losing the ego. But then you, when you get past all them barriers and you actually work up to the back squat, you know, it, it has amazing, as you said, like it works so many muscles, um, so good for your core strength. Like the, the amount of core work that I do is very little because of the amount of compounds that I do. Like if you think about it, if you're holding just say 100 kilos on your back and you're squatting to full range and you're keeping that load under control, what's the main stabilizer between yeah. your legs and and that bar? It is your trunk. Massively. People, and people are, yeah, massively. Like I, I drew that into like all my clients now that like I barely do any core work with them. Like I'll still get some in there, but if, if it's like you've just said, like if you can build, if you can get good at like the compound exercises and when we say good, like working up to it at a decent load with good form, with, with full range, you're just, you like you're doing so much at the same time and you're hitting your core you're gonna feel out of breath because it's a tough exercise you've gone through a full range and then all of a sudden like your bang for your buck has gone up massively and that i think that's a big thing that like people miss out on a lot i think that's huge actually definitely yeah um and that I think, did you touch on single leg variation? Did you say that you would take someone through a single leg variation? Or was no, that staggered, so like a staggered stance? Because I was just going to touch on that before we move on, that that they can be a really good exercise as well. Yeah, so 
obviously like split squats. Yeah. Your almost like reverse lunges, your Bulgarian split squats. Mm. Um, you talk about that category. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, like from um, like a mobility and flexibility point of view, you can, it requires less demand, doesn't it? So you can get into these kind of like different positions, which can then not not only be like a really good exercise in itself for working the quads, but then it also has that transition back into your squat, doesn't it? To yeah, so it does like it doesn't have obviously like a direct carryover where say if you did like a, a barbell split squat, it doesn't have a direct carryover where it would say like if I could barbell split squat fifty kilos on my left leg mm. and fifty kilos on my yeah, right, it's right not leg. Quite like that. It doesn't mean <laughs> that you, you could then squat hundred kilos. It's not that carryover. But what it does promote is if you think about the position that you put yourself in unbalanced in a single leg exercise, the amount of uh, stabilization that you would then um, acquire from sort of knee stability, ankle stability, if you really struggle with that in your back squat or, or any squat, sorry, um, them gains from them single leg exercises from a stability point of view can be like a ma- can then have a massive carryover into mm. then obviously like the main compound lifts. Yeah. Another great exercise as well that will will get your heart rate up and something that you can pair with other exercises. Again, coming back to that kind of like density, making your session efficient. Like if you've done, if anyone's listened to this, have ever done Bulgarian split squats for like 10 reps, like you'll know that you've felt like you've just probably ran like, I don't know, like 100 meters or something sometimes because it just demands so much. Yeah, they they, they are really <laughs> tough. And also as well, like unilateral exercises. So single leg and single arm stuff like great for imbalances yeah so if you if you if you're squatting and you you know and, and you're competent in it but you potentially feel like you're pushing a lot more load for your right side than your left side for example that could either be um an anatomy thing or it could be actually just like a strength thing it could be that your your right quad glutes like are stronger than your left side so them unilateral exercises are great for ironing out imbalances yeah Definitely. So like, that'd be really nice as like an accessory at the end of a session, say for example. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and that, as I say, like supports the whole, going back to the squat, like it, it accessory will kind of support that, going back to your squat in some sort of way with the stability, um, as Jamel was saying. So um, kind of hammered that topic, haven't we? Yeah. We've covered quite a bit there. So I, I just want to, I just want to say one more thing as well. I know I mentioned it at the start, like, but you don't, need to squat like it's yeah. not absolutely essential yeah we use the word gold standard but like it really isn't a gold standard no, exercise it's, not, it's, like, it's, it's that's just, just it's, kind of like it's uh, just like a hard exercise like it's yeah. at the end of the continuum but as i said at the start if you are literally looking to load your quads like a leg press a leg extension yeah. it won't do the same job you, but you it will split, stimulate the quad split squats and stuff like that are probably it's probably better like in some ways for some people like, like when you um you had a knee issue, didn't you? Mm. Um, or you still have a knee issue. Yeah, you yeah, had yeah. one and you were looking for variations and, and you come up with like a Spanish, was it yeah, a Spanish squat yeah. because of the angle that your shin was at? Yeah, you can play around with stuff like that, yeah. Um, split squats as well. You can, you can, yeah, you can get your knees in better better positions. Um, that means there's less stress going for the knee, which is kind of what, what you were saying, isn't it? With a, well, you were talking to, before we started this, we were saying how like a front squat might be places more demand onto people's knees so again it's kind of like going back to that sort of anatomy injuries finding us and a a squat or squat variation that's appropriate yeah i I was i was speaking to a guy last week 
was coaching him and he said to me, when I front squat, I have loads of knee pain. Well, when I back squat, I have no pain. Mm. I just said to him, okay, you, you might want to get to the root of that cause. Obviously, I'm not a physio, so you might want to get to the root of that cause with a front squat. But for the time being, then why do you front squat at all? Yeah, that's it. Like, just stick to the back squat. It's not like you have to front squat. If the front squat is causing you pain, mm. take it out of your program and back squat some more. Yeah. Like, the, the, it's the difference easy, it's, it's an easy fix. Like, yeah. people think that they need to do, like, one squat or, or another. Like, oh, oh my God, I'm following this program online and, and one yeah. day a week they're front squatting and one day a week they're back squatting, but the front squat causes me pain. It makes no difference. Just like, swap it out. Um, and that sort of yeah, like lines up for what I'm going to talk about in a minute around like sweet potatoes and white potatoes. <laughs> like, like sometimes that like what? So going back to that example, what you get out of say um, a back squat versus like a split squat, like it's, especially if it was just like the goal of like building muscle or something. Like it's it's not much there, is there? Like no. it's, there's nothing special about that back squat. And the, literally the only difference from a back squat to a front squat is where the load is. For example, obviously it's more on your midline on the back squat. It's more anterior yeah. on the front squat. So mm. you'll probably get a little bit more quadriceps stimulation mm. out of the front squat. Yeah. But we're talking but like, like... Yeah, like the, the, the minimal sort of differences yeah. here. Like so, um, which makes very little impact over, over time, you know, in that short space. So... Um, so yeah, we'll move on to our sort of clients Q and A. So we've had we've had some questions from our clients, and we ask questions on our Instagram as well. So we're going to answer a few questions. Um, so number one, as I was just talking about it, uh, sweet potato and white potato, and this <laughs> this is one that comes up quite a bit. And so there's um, a common thought process that sweet potatoes are like are so much healthier, or they're they're like health food. And they're better for you than white potatoes. And, and it goes even to the point where people start avoiding white potatoes because they think like, oh, it's bad carbs. It's sweet just, potato tastes better. Yeah. It's, you know, it is sweeter, isn't it? And, and, and that's kind of confusing in itself because like some people might say, well, oh, it's sweeter, so it's sugar. So that means it's bad. Like, But actually, like the nutritional sort of profiles of both of them are very, very similar. For like, for per 100 grams, the calories are pretty much identical. Um, there is a little bit more fiber in sweet potato um, and it obviously tastes sweeter, it appears different. There's, there's more vitamin A in it. But overall, like the differences between the two are like, like are pretty much the same. And you would think that sweet potato, because it's got more fiber in it, may make it more, make may help you feel fuller for longer which could be a good thing if you're trying to lose weight or maintain weight. But um, when they've done like studies of like what foods give you the most sort of satiating feeling and what makes you feel the most fullest, I think boiled baked potatoes and white potatoes actually scored higher. Yeah. Um, and you don't know the exact reasons for that, but on in studies it, it scored higher. So it's not just because there's more fiber in that sweet potato doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's better for you feeling wise as well so um but i've been to like restaurants with people and they've they've been like oh i really just want normal potatoes but sweet potato is better for you so i'm gonna have the sweet potato even though i don't like it and i'm i was just i, just, I don't want to say anything because i try to when i'm out for dinner i try and just take yeah. work out of it but in my head you just feel like for the few calories that you're sacrificing just enjoy your normal potato 
exactly and it, it, and the worst of it is is like the, the so the so then people will have the conception that sweet potatoes are healthier right and then they'll go and order sweet potato fries and sweet potato fries are fried in loads and loads of oil and now those fries have lots of extra calories in it because of the oil so if you would if you if you'd picked say for example someone chose sweet potato fries over a, a white baked potato thinking that oh i'm gonna it's so much more healthier um i'm gonna save calories no like you've now gone completely the opposite end because you've now gone for something fried that's the difference like i wish that's how the world worked mate. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so so hopefully that clears that one up. Um, there's no real differences between the two. You know, like pick it because you want to, pick it because if you like the taste. Um, it's good to have a mixture of both because they do offer different things in terms of like the, the vitamins, like um, sweet potato has more vitamin A in it. Um, so having a good balance of both, if you like them, is, is probably the best way to go yeah. as part of an overall balanced diet with uh, variety. As you were on a roll, mate, I'll ask you question number two because yeah. it's very much up your street. Why is it harder to lose tummy fat um, rather than everyone else, rather than everywhere else? Yeah, good question. Um, so it's a common it's a common thing because a lot of people want to lose tummy fat, so they want to reduce fat and, and, and make their tummy slimmer or, or reduced appearance, or they want abs, or they want to look toned in that area. Yeah. Um, so often the, the difference between sort of making that area look different is that the fact that there's body fat there. So body fat is stored all over the body um, and your tummy is just one place. And unfortunately that's one place that a lot of people tend to carry quite a bit, especially in their midsection around their back, love handles, all, all of those sort of areas. Um, it's also an area that tends to be one of the last places to go so you could go through like a weight loss phase or a fat loss phase and you could be losing fat from like all over your body including your tummy so you might be losing it on your arms you might be losing it on your on your shoulders and then you've also got like internal fat that's around that you can't even see around your organs and all of that sort of being broken down over time and frustratingly you may not lose body fat from the tummy area at first the only way to to get rid of it is to is to keep going is to keep going with your diet so you can't spot reduce it unfortunately that's a, a bit of a myth <laughs> so if you've seen these these things where people go to like places and they almost get like a massage just like on their tummy like a really oh yeah to try and increase blood flow to that area because then they think it's gonna break down fat quicker like so we can bust that yeah ridiculous yeah ridiculous <laughs> what was there was another one that i learned when i did my nutritionist course that there's some wacky stuff in there. There was like something to do with like, um, that was it, um, piercings. So there was like something <laughs> that was trying to say that having your belly button pierced would like somehow like start some sort of reaction that would mean you'd burn fat. And you having me on? No, see, this is dead serious. Yeah, I, I don't know, know if, I don't know if it was in the UK. It was probably in America. It probably wasn't in the UK. I feel like America was, some America, they'd fall for that one though. That's not? class. <laughs> that is class. All right, I'm going to get my belly button pierced. <laughs> there's some absolutely ridiculous things. Um, so, so yeah, unfortunately you can't spot reduce, you can't spot reduce, but what, over time, if, so the first thing is that if you want to lose it, you're going to, you, you've got to keep going. So you've got to progressively keep going um, and you will keep losing body fat from all over the body. And then eventually you, your body fat would go from your tummy area and you'd start to look more toned and rip that. But 
over time, the, another thing you can do is that I, over time, I've kind of like building up muscle um, and kind of going through progressive phases. So maybe you, one year you um, build muscle and then diet down. The next year, you're now carrying more muscle than you did the year before and you build a bit more muscle and then diet down again. So by doing that, you, you're adding more weight. So it does make it, it would make it a little bit easier to get to that point because, because you're carrying more weight and and also this kind of links into what we were saying earlier maybe in that time as well you've become more efficient so that so the workouts that you're doing you're now burning more overall calories and having a bigger impact on on the re- recovery and repair so you're kind of plowing through more calories but also because you're a higher weight you now require more calories to to run your car like if we use that car analogy so then by that that then makes it easier to to kind of get to your to lose body fat in the area because you've you've essentially sped up your metabolism by making your workouts more efficient and, and weighing more and having more muscle. So in the long run, that's something that you can that that can help with that. Yeah. So like I know I know for myself, like if I take my calories too low, or if I don't sorry if I don't do enough activity, so which means that I can have more calories the dieting can be like a, a massive chore for me. I mm. really don't enjoy it. Yeah. When I diet, I have to send my activity through the roof mm. so I can effectively keep my calories the same as what they are. Yeah. But then, you know, through my neat and stuff, yeah. it goes up, which means that I can just sort of then intake like the same amount of calories and it doesn't feel like I'm dieting. But if, if, I, if I did it without increasing my activity, yeah. I'd be in massive trouble. Yeah. And it's a, that's a, that is a really good point. You're like, there's it's, it's different ways of doing it, but... 90% of the time you'd always recommend to to be doing like resistance training and, and exercising and, and getting your needs up to 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 have a big impact on that whole equation of getting yourself into that calorie deficit and then doing it for long enough um and, and consistently to get to the point where you lose, start to lose that body fat around the uh, around the tummy area yeah um Genetics as well, I didn't really touch on that. So genetics is another thing where like genetically some people will carry body fat in different places. Like females tend to carry more body fat in their glutes, in their bum and their legs. Um, Men don't carry as much there on average. Um, They tend to carry it more in their back, upper back, um, love handles, all that sort of area. So that plays a part in it as well. and then there's also, um, as you get older, like you can have what's like almost like fat distribution. So it's not that you've kind of gained fat or gained weight. It's just that your fat kind of distributes different places. So female menopause, there's quite a bit of studies around that where you start to have this distribution of fat going from one place to more around your, your stomach, for example. So um, so yeah, so that's another thing to, to at least consider. Um, there is one more question. I'll ask you then, Jamal. What's your, what's your thoughts on this? So, do you feel pre pre workouts are are needed? Um, do you think that do you take them? So, I don't take pre workouts. Um, little little backstory. When I was playing, I played a rugby game when I was about eighteen, maybe seventeen. My first men's game for like the local club that I played for. I was in the changing room and all these uh, guys, decent blokes, were, were drinking pre-workout. And I was like, 
right? Like they all seem like they're hyped. Like I'm quite a calm guy, and like they they're all hyped and like smacking walls and stuff before the game. And I was like, right, I need I need me a bit of this stuff. Took some, started tingling, um, threw up before the game, and it was probably the worst worst game <laughs> I've ever played in my life. That was my experience of of pre workout. It depends what pre-workout means to people though. So effectively, I think that I have a pre-workout because I have a espresso or yeah. at least a coffee before I work out. So effectively, just a caffeine intake before I work out to hopefully help boost my performance during during that time. Um, so if your answer is pre-workouts needed or not, I would say they're not needed because I don't take any specific pre-workout, mm. but there are some benefits to them for some people. That's it, yeah. Um, I would say what would be needed is, or what isn't needed, but what would benefit most people is some sort of caffeine prior to their workout. Yeah. But I, I don't think a specific pre-workout is needed. And if it if you don't, actually like taking pre-workout and you're just doing it because you think you need to do it then there's other things that, or other supplements that you could invest your money in before you invested it in that yeah definitely agree agree with all of that and a lot of these pre-workouts are just they are just caffeine with with other stuff and then there's and like a lot of caffeine at that hell of a lot which which means that you would be so these people that are doing <laughs> Uh, are going to work nine to five and then they're going to the gym and taking a pre-workout you've just had way too much caffeine and there's a good chance your sleep's going to be affected by that and um, so that's something to consider that if you are if you are going to have some sort of pre-workout or high caffeine thing then having it on early in the day especially if you're sensitive to it and it affects your sleep um, and then there's like yeah pre-workouts like most so they do so they do have other ingredients um like there was, remember that one that got banned like a few years ago? I don't want to say the name of it, but I know what, it, what was it called? I can't remember what it's called, but it's, yeah, there was one that called, was called, uh, was it Jack 3D? Yeah, that was it. Something like that. I can't even remember what the ingredient was or why they banned it, but th there are other ingredients and there are other stuff that can be in them that can be supportive of things like, um, some of them, um, uh, help sort of dilute or open up some of your blood vessels so you can get like better pumps. So for like more like bodybuilding, um, but then that I can't remember that may even sort of benefit some other performance and then there's things like beta alanine um, which can benefit kind of strength and, and performance so there are other things in them there's a there's a lot of research about that at the moment mm. um, especially in the CrossFit community yeah I think I sent because I sent you something over didn't I was yeah. showing you and so there are stuff in them and they can be beneficial for probably for performance but probably for like for most people like like a coffee, like you said, is probably like, you're gonna save a load of money because they, they cost a bomb for what they are. They're just like hyped up supplements by supplement companies. And if you enjoy your coffee, then you get to enjoy your coffee. Like yeah. I love I love going to the gym, making myself a coffee, sitting yeah. there for 10 minutes, mm. drinking it, and then getting on my warm up. Like, yeah. like that's just a nice part of my day. I know that sounds yeah. really sad, but yeah. like no, that's just a nice part of my day. That's it, yeah. Caffeine's probably like the, the like the easiest one, the safest one, and the cheapest one. That's that's probably going to give you a, a a bit of a performance increase. Yeah. So um. So yeah, they're the ones that we'd we'd re recommend if you was going to go down that route. Coffee. <laughs> Just have a little coffee. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think we're going to wrap it up there. So nice few topics covered today. Um. Yeah, it was good that one, mate. So we are going to be back with another one. 
again as usual if there's anything that you would like us to talk about or any questions you would like answering um then get in touch via our instagrams um just a quick word on our coaching availability at the minute as well so we're both pretty full for like personal training so like the in-person stuff we do at the minute but um we have got a few spaces available for our online coaching um so if that's something you're interested in and we want to find a few more details about then please get in touch again via our instagrams myself the bar underscore tristan and myself the bar underscore jamel okay cool so um we will you will hear from us again in another week's time okay cheers for listening guys cheers